Hey everyone, my name is Alexandra Inglar and I am Mind Body Greens Beauty Director. You are listening to Mind Body Greens Beauty Podcast Clean Beauty School, where we discuss beauty through the lens of well being. Today we are covering a few different topics, but they are all woven together because one affects the other and vice versa. To start, we dive into hormone health in our skin. For example, we talk about what sort of modern lifestyle habits are affecting it and how we can best balance our hormones given how much of it is out of our control. It's an area of beauty I find so, so fascinating, but one we definitely do not discuss enough, so I am so excited to learn a little bit more today. But we also get into a topic we do discuss quite a bit here, which is the skin barrier and the microbiome. Now, the skin barrier and your hormones are deeply entwined and so connected, even if at first glance, they don't necessarily seem to be. So to get into all of this, I am chatting with a skin expert and naturopathic doctor, Trevor Coates. She is based in Utah, and she has written a few books around your skin and overall health, not to mention she has a new docuseries about hormone health coming out just now. There is so much to discuss, so let's just go ahead and get started. Dr. Cates, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. I always love letting my audience get to know my guest a little bit better and, you know, me get to know you a little bit better before we jump into the heart of the conversation. So can you please share your story and, you know, how you got into natural and holistic medicine? You know, what was that journey? Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly been a journey. And it started when I was a kid. I I had a lot of skin issues and other health challenges. And I was I had these itchy rashes, hives, eczema. And my parents took me to see every doctor, every specialist they could find. And every medication I was put on, I had an adverse reaction or an allergic reaction to And so I just kept feeling worse. So I felt, you know, itchy. I was embarrassed by my skin. I was sick a lot. So I missed a lot of school. I just didn't feel like a normal kid. Uh, But thankfully, my parents kept searching for answers and they found a holistic practitioner that they took me to. And that was the one thing that really turned my health around. So my skin cleared up. I wasn't sick all the time. I was able to get back to school, feel like a normal kid. But I remember at that time thinking, why wasn't this presented to us from the beginning? Why did I have to go through, I don't know, it seemed like a couple of years. I can't really remember exactly how long. It seemed like forever to get to the point where holistic medicine was presented as an option. Why didn't any of these other doctors mention it before? So it is sort of, it planted a seed in my head at an early age. And later on when I was at college, I heard, I found out about naturopathic medicine, naturopathic medical school. And I thought, wow, that really resonates with what, how I grew up and what I learned. Because at that point when we just started using natural medicine, my family was really into it and I grew up with it. And so that's what led me to go to naturopathic medical school. And then I wasn't really, though, until later on that I started focusing on skin and and wrote my book. And that's because I was working at the Waldorf Astoria Spa in Park City. And I, I had already been in practice for over 10 years. And I was seeing patients for a weight loss program. And after the weight loss program, 
my patients would say, Dr. Cates, I've lost weight. I feel great. But what surprises me is my skin. I didn't know my skin could look this good. And I thought, well, of course it makes sense because your skin is an outer reflection of your overall health. But I started to realize that my patients had never been taught that and that it was just I grew up with that because of my own personal experience. So I realized it was time to write a book and get that message out to people. So that's what led me to write my book, Clean Skin from Within. And then as I was writing the book, my patients started asking me about, okay, Dr. Cates, you were recommending natural skincare products, but none of the ones I can find work, or I just don't like the way they feel, the way they smell, the experience of it. So I started to really dig into the research on what we put on the outside of our bodies and the skincare products we use. And I started learning more about the skin microbiome and the pH of our skin, things that really make a difference in the health and the appearance of our skin. And I realized there was a lot missing and a lot of the naturals or all really all skincare products out there. So that's when I decided to create my own skincare line, the Spot Doctor skincare line that's natural and it helps support the skin microbiome, which of course we could talk more about because I'm sure you're you're interested to know about that. I'm sure that's really what led me down this path. And then the the biggest thing since my last book has been around hormones. And every single woman that has been in to see me as a patient, and most women I know have struggled with hormones at some point in their lives. And for many women, it's an ongoing challenge. And so that's what has then, you know, now I've, I'm, I'm incorporating more of the hormone piece in my next book and also my docu-series, Hormones, Health, and Harmony. Well, you are spot on in saying that I might be interested in the microbiome. That is one of my favorite <laughs> topics. So we'll definitely have to dive into that, you know, when we start talking about skincare practices and, you know, all the nitty gritty details. But, you know, I want to ask, what is your beauty philosophy and what is your approach to beauty in your practice? Well, it's, it's, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. I'm, my next book that's coming out in September is Natural Beauty Reset. And a lot of it has to do about beauty and what it, what beauty even means. And I start off in the introduction talking about how as a kid, I didn't feel beautiful growing up. I didn't feel beautiful. And I realized, and it's, it's kind of cliche about how beauty comes from the inside, but it's so true. And I think that it's easy to say it, but once it clicks for you internally, that's when people really get it. That that beauty is, we get so caught up in what we see in magazines, what we see online and the filter, the, you know, the selfie filters and all these things of how they can make us appear beautiful. And I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> but really, when we feel beautiful, that's really when we're beautiful. It's something that I've been thinking about, you know, so much throughout my career and especially the last few years, you know, where we do spend so much time in front of a screen and, you know, we do so much of our beauty in our, you know, the way we think about ourselves is reflected through screens. And, you know, it's it can be challenging to find that inner confidence at a time like this. So as you're writing this book, you know, what are some of the takeaways that you are finding about our modern connection to beauty and how to feel beautiful. Is there anything that surprised you as you've been writing this? 
Yeah, I think one of the things that might surprise people is how much our hormones play into this. Because as I mentioned, hormones impact so uh, impact all of us and they impact our health in more ways that I think most people realize, including the way that we feel emotionally and how we show up and, and how our focus is, our mental, emotional health. So when our hormones are out of balance, it can impact the way we feel. It can make us feel if our, if like, for example, if our serotonin is low or our progesterone is low at, at times like that, it can make us, our mood feel low. And then when we look in the mirror, we don't really love what we see. And I think that that definitely plays into body image issues of, sort, of course, skin stuff too, because we look at our skin and we can beat ourselves up. And I think that when we, one of the things is when we get our hormones balanced, it actually shifts our biochemistry in a way that helps us look in the mirror and, and see something different. Now, of course, there's a mindset piece in there that I think is extremely important. I also have a master's degree in spiritual psychology, in addition to being a naturopathic physician, because the importance of feeling connected, practicing mindset, and having a spiritual connection, I think is so vital to this. But I think the piece that a lot of people don't talk about is the hormonal balance, especially for women, because our hormones change so much throughout our lives and also for menstruating women throughout the month. I think the hormone part of this is so fascinating and it's certainly not something that we talk about enough in the beauty industry. You know, it's just, I, I think it's such a heady concept for people to kind of wrap their head around and all the different things that can play into hormone health that it almost becomes overwhelming. And so people just like don't even want to think about it. So let's kind of break it down for people and let's help people understand it a little bit better. So let's say someone walks into your practice and, you know, they, they want to learn more about the hormone skin connection. How do you talk to them about this? You know, what does that conversation look like on a basic well, level? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when people come in to see me, a lot of times when it comes to skin, <clears throat> there are a couple of skin issues that can present commonly with hormonal imbalances. And so one of them, of course, is acne. And acne is the most common skin condition. Although what's really interesting about acne is there are some places in the world where acne doesn't exist. And they have a very different lifestyle, as you can imagine, than we do. So certainly our lifestyle plays a big role in this. And, and you know, what we eat and how we manage our stress and all of those things. But as we know, typically with acne, there can be times when we're more likely to have acne. So during puberty and also at certain, for women, certain times in our cycle. And so that has a lot to do with these fluctuations and changes in our hormones. However, we do know that it doesn't have to be that way. I think a lot of times we put up with things. We think, oh, it's just my, I'm, my hormones, I have hormonal acne. I'm just, my hormones are out of balance and that we just accept it. But I want people to really understand that just because something is common doesn't mean that it's normal, that we sure. should suffer through it and that we should just struggle through acne breakouts and put more makeup on to try and cover it or that we should just suppress it with a topical or some sort of pharmaceutical treatment, that getting to the root cause of these and really paying attention to what's going on is so crucial. And so when it comes to hormones, it 
there are some really basic things that we can do to help balance our hormones that's going to make an, an impact not only in the hormones, but also on our skin. So, sure. of course, acne, as I mentioned, is one of the big ones. So, and then also we think about another one that is a, a skin issue that comes up a lot is dry skin. So, if mm -hmm. someone has dry skin, they could have low thyroid function. So, hypothyroidism, one of the first signs that presents hypothyroidism or low thyroid function is dry skin. And then on the flip side of that, with high thyroid hyperthyroidism, that can create more oily skin. So a thyroid is another big one. So sex hormones, thyroid hormones, and then our stress hormones can worsen inflammatory skin issues. So when we're really stressed, that can actually worsen problems like eczema, atopic dermatitis. That's like what I had as a kid. And I think it's really interesting because for anyone who's had skin issues, it's it's easy to get stressed out by your skin because you you look in the mirror or somebody makes a comment about your skin. I remember this as a kid when I would try and keep a distance from other kids so that they they didn't see my skin close up is that you know, it really stresses you out. But the problem is stress, our stress hormones can worsen skin issues. So these are just a few of the examples. And then, of course, also the aging process. As we yeah. get older, our hormones change. And so, again, it's there are things that we can do to kind of help balance and keep our hormones more in a steady state and optimizing them. So, of course, the aging and, and wrinkles, that's a natural process, right? So wrinkles are can't a sign. Avoid it. Level. Can't avoid it. <laughs> Their wrinkles are, are a sign that we've been living and laughing. And so our wrinkles, I mean, I love our, I love my wrinkles. I mean, I don't want more than I have right, right now, <laughs> but you know, we don't want to look older than we are, but the idea is we want to age gracefully. Right. And so there yeah. are things that we can do to kind of Keep it smooth. <laughs> okay, so I definitely want to get into the nitty gritty of how you keep those hormones smooth. But before we do that, I do think it's important to kind of set up all of the things that can impact our hormones. You know, we, we've we mentioned a few of the various just kind of like standard factors that influence hormones, such as puberty, times of the month, you know, just generally aging in and of itself, stress with cortisol, like you mentioned, you know. But what are some of the other things that play out in day-to-day -day life that could be influencing our hormones? Yeah, I think that one of the big ones that people forget about are the toxins in our environment that we're exposed to. So there's a group of chemicals called endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and these are hormone-disrupting chemicals. And they are throughout our environment. They're in our air, our water, our food, our personal care products. And we're exposed to these on an ongoing basis. The good news is that there are ways to reduce our exposure. There are also, you know, a lot of things that we can do to help support our body's detoxification pathways. Our bodies are amazingly well-equipped to handle a lot of these toxins. The problem is, is that we're, we get, or we're exposed to more of these than we ever have been. So we need to do what we can to reduce our exposure because what happens with these chemicals, and there's actually a lot of research now on endocrine disrupting chemicals and how, when we get exposed to them, 
what happens is that these chemicals can bind to hormone receptors in the body and they can mimic hormones. They can alter the way that the receptors work and the way that our hormones function. So they could actually, the body thinks that it's getting more hormones when actually it's these endocrine disrupting chemicals. So then it'll shut down processes of the body or ramp things up. So endocrine disrupting chemical exposure has been connected to things like thyroid disease, which is so much more common today where we see so much thyroid disease, infertility, which is also on the rise, certain types of cancer like breast cancer is also um, a big contributor for that. And really anything having to do with your hormones that you can think of, it can disrupt. So if you think about our weight, our metabolism is involved in with our hormones. Our sleep is involved with our hormones, our, our blood sugar regulation, so many different things. And so if we throw these endocrine disrupting chemicals into our bodies and our bodies can't handle it, it really throws off the way that our hormones balance. You know, you, you mentioned something in your answer and it sparked something in me. You mentioned that we are exposed to more than we've ever been, and that is the problem. You know, it's kind of this onslaught of endocrine disruptors, because I think one of the arguments that I so often hear about, you know, trying to reduce your exposure is that, well, they're everywhere. We can never really truly, like, reduce our exposure to zero. So, like, why even try? Or that there even natural things can be endocrine disruptors. So, you know, why do we even think about trying to reduce our exposure? Because there's just so much happening. You know, I think I, in the beauty industry, sometimes we get a little bit of that discussion going on because people don't want to change their products or they don't want to hear this argument or whatever. And, you know, I think to your point is that on some level, we're going to be exposed to things that disrupt our hormones. That's life. But the problem is that we are being exposed to them to such a degree that we that our bodies aren't used to or our bodies aren't necessarily built for. So, you know, speaking on that part, what are some of the major things that are existing in modern society that are contributing to this? You know, you mentioned personal care. You mentioned pollution. You know, are those the big ones? So the reason why we're exposed to more now than we ever have been is that if you think about it, we're, the industry is making more and more chemicals, which, hey, advances in modern living is, is, can be fantastic. So there are certain of these, some, some chemicals that are, can be very helpful, right? But there are a lot that are in development. There are also ones that exist in our environment that have been banned, but they continue to exist. So things like lead, leaded gasoline has made its impact in our soil. So it's in our soil. Arsenic is in our soil. So I have been thinking a lot about soil health recently and it doesn't necessarily come up in the beauty conversation a lot, but it is something that is vital for our overall health. The quality of our soil has a profound effect on what is grown in it. You know, things like our food or what we put on our skin. This then has a ripple effect that reaches us. Obviously, if our soil isn't healthy, our food isn't going to be as healthy and therefore we aren't going to be as healthy. Since we talk about sleep so much in this episode, I thought I would bring up a not so fun fact, but is interesting nonetheless. 
Magnesium depletion in the soil is a huge deal, so much so that nearly half of Americans, around 45%, don't get the recommended daily amount of magnesium from food and drinks alone. This number is similar in a lot of Western countries where commercialized farming is the primary method of food sourcing. This has huge implications for our sleep, for example, as magnesium plays a critical role in our sleep cycle. We have a story on it that I find so fascinating and a lot of other readers at Mind Body Green also found it fascinating. So I linked to it in our show notes, just in case if you want to check it out, if you haven't already. These are things that, that continue to exist in the environment. Also, we may ban a chemical in the United States, but it can still actually travel over from other countries in clouds from evaporation into clouds. It travels over and then rains down into our environment. So there are, because of this, there are no real clean places on the earth, on the planet. Which I know it's doom and gloom, but I do want to just make a point of this is a real issue. But that doesn't mean there's nothing we can do about it. It is in time and important for us to pay attention to it and to really do what we can to reduce our exposures. And we don't have control over a lot of it, but we do have control over certain places. And that's where I tell people to pay attention. And the research is there. We know these endocrine disrupting chemicals, regardless of what the industry, the cosmetic industry says, we know the research is there. I mean, I'm in the personal care space. I I have a, a skincare company and it drives me crazy to hear what what personal care companies can get away with, what claims they will make and the lack of regulation around it. It's really, yeah. really scary. And un- unfortunately, and, and I'm always shocked because the w- the process that we go through at the spa doctor to make our skincare products, to select our ingredients, and then test them after they're done, I know that my manufacturer is surprised because she says, you know, most people don't do this, even natural skincare companies, because of the extra money it costs. And so we have to keep this in mind when we get who we're getting our information from. And so uh, a lot of times people are trying to just make money and they're trying to make products less expensive so that their margins are larger. So and then because FDA does not regulate these products within the United States, I think we don't get this information in the in the light that it deserves. So in Europe, they've banned over a thousand ingredients in personal care products. In the United States, there have been about 11 ingredients banned in personal care products. There's a huge difference in that. And so we, we, as a consumer, we have to do a little bit of this research on our own, a little bit of screening and awareness. It's really up to us because what the FDA done is they've kind of put it onto manufacturers to create safe products for the public, which, as I just mentioned, the manufacturers are more interested in how much money they can make, what their margins are. And hey, I get it. I Again, I I make skincare products and I know how hard it can be sometimes to make these decisions. No, we're going for the organic. I know it costs more. No, we're going for recyclable containers because it's important. And so, but it, we have to remember where we're getting information from. Yeah. 
you know, I, everything you just said, I resonate with so, so much just because it is something that, you know, I continuously think about and it's, it, it sometimes it feels like an uphill battle and you're, you know, constantly like, oh God, is this worth it? Is this worth it? But, you know, at the end of the day, like it is worth it to keep on talking about this stuff because it's, there are choices that people can make that can you know, put themselves in a better position. No one can be perfect. We're never going to live perfect lives, but we can just try to be better. And so, you know, that's that's kind of the the outlook that I always try to view all this stuff from because there's just so much happening. It's and there's so much to think about, and you can never think about it all. But you know, you can at least you can at least try to be a little bit better in your day to day life. So, on that point, day to day life. What are some things that people can do? When you talk to people, is it things like get better sleep? Is it, you know, do you look at the diet? Where do you start? I'm sure it's huge. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm so glad you said focus on the day-to-day. And that's what I tell people. Don't worry so much about an occasional exposure or things that you don't have control over. Think about the things that you do on a daily basis, the products that you're using, the practices that you have on a daily basis, because that's what adds up. So what is so when we talk about, first of all, cleaning things out, what are some things that you can do that you do have control over? One, of course, we'll talk about personal care products, skincare products, which is important, but also things like, can you just get a water filter for your the, the water that you're drinking. It's, it's actually a really simple thing. And there are a lot of different filters out there. You can get uh, reverse osmosis is, is sort of the top end, but there are carbon filters. There's a, a lot of different things you can do. So that's a simple one. And, and also looking at what you're using in your home, cleaning products, that's a massive one. So if you could just switch to natural cleaning products, that's going to also reduce your exposure to endocrine disrupting chemicals. So, but when we talk about skincare products, there are a lot of, a lot of chemicals out there and, and it can be overwhelming, but if you can just focus on a few, and again, focus on the products that you use on a day-to-day basis. And totally. so, you know, your cleanser, your moisturizers, those serums, those things that you use on a day-to-day basis. And then if you go in to see, and you go into a spa and you get occasional facial, it's it's okay. You don't have to worry totally. about as much about that. I mean, of course, my practice is always to use as clean as possible, but, you know, focus on the one, the things that you use day-to-day. So go in your yeah. bathroom. What are the things that you're using day-to-day? Start with those. and. And start learning about the ingredients that are in there. And there are a few that I would say bring particular attention to. One of the biggest ones is fragrance. Fragrance is in so many of the products that we use, cleaning products, personal care products. And fragrance typically has at least one endocrine disrupting chemical. You have to remember it's not one ingredient, even though it's listed as one ingredient on the label. Fragrance has can have a number of endocrine disrupting chemicals, including things like diethyl phthalate. Diethyl phthalate is a plasticizing agent and is a known endocrine disrupting chemical. With exposure to it, we have, and studies have shown it show up in urine and human urine samples. So we do know that when we use it on our skin, it can show up in urine samples. And we do know that it's an endocrine disruptor. So that's an easy one. 
And I know people love their fragrance, but hey, there's some really You're speaking amazing- to somebody who also loves her fragrance, but I am somebody who is very <sighs> meticulous about the types of fragrance I use. You know, I only yes. use natural extracts, you know, some essential oils that are diluted, you know, so et cetera, et cetera. Yes. responsible synthetics, all of the good stuff. <laughs> good. Good. Now, if we could just get everybody else on board with what you're doing. Totally. Oh, and I don't put it on my face because my face can't, I don't know fragrance on the face, but I will do fragrance on the body. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, keeping it natural. And of course, there are a lot of great organic essential oils that when, you know, we, we can use those in personal care products. So, and then of course, there are light, the lifestyle choices that we make too, and that's important. And so you asked, you mentioned sleep. And if we, we want to transition into that, it, there's, there's so much I can, I can share about sleep and stress management and how that helps. I mean, I love talking about sleep because I always feel like I need more of it. So <laughs> whatever you have to share there. Yeah. So I, I, I do think it's one of the most important things that we can do is set ourselves up for a good night's sleep. Now, that's not really easy for everyone, depending upon a number of things. So for a lot of people, you have to realize it's something that might take some time to work your way towards. That if you're already, if you're having difficulty sleeping, be patient with yourself. Don't get frustrated right away that it can take some time. And But setting yourself up with a a bedtime ritual, transitioning into sleep is really crucial. And so, you know, I think we forget sometimes too that our hormones play a role in this. And there are so many different external factors that can play a role in, in our sleep. Our hormones are a big part of that. So depending upon where we are in our cycle, can play a role in our ability to get a good night's sleep. So being uh, mindful of that, being aware of it. So if you, if you start to, I think having a journal is a really great thing to do for women to get to really understand your body. It doesn't take a lot of work to do this. I think journaling first thing in the morning or before you go to bed at night is a great time to do it. That way becomes more of a ritual. And just what you're aware of with your energy, your sleep, your skin, and writing these things down and starting to make connections between what you're doing with your lifestyle, your stress management, your your sleep patterns, what you're eating, all of these things make a difference. In, In my book, Natural Beauty Reset, I talk about four different areas that are really important. And, and my book actually is a seasonal aspect to it. So for each season, these change. And they're food, movement, mindset, and skincare. And these are really important for us when it comes to balancing our hormones and getting our rhythms and our cycles back in balance. Is One is about the seasons and the other is about these four areas. And because our needs change with each season, we want to change and shift these practices with each season. I love thinking about stuff seasonally because, you know, we talk about skincare changes during seasons. You know, during the summer, you you maybe want lighter products versus during the winter, you need something a little bit thicker, more inclusive, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, to kind of branch that into the rest of your life, I think is it only makes sense. You know, our, our moods change depending on the season. I know mine does. 
I know I'm in a much better mood come spring and summer, you know, so kind of uh, thinking about stuff in the season, I think is really smart. What are some changes that you tell people to make, you know, around this time of year? It's it's spring. It's we're about to be in summer. You know, what what do you tell people? Yeah, it's really fascinating to look at the research of what we know about hormones and how they change throughout the year. They actually do shift with the seasons. And we kind of know (laughs) this because we know, you know, you hear of fertility, springtime is the time and people are, women are more fertile. And it actually is true that our estrogen tends to go up in spring and summer. And so that is an example of how we're going to be more likely to be able to get pregnant at these times and that also it can impact the way we feel. So it it's it's really fascinating. Our thyroid shifts at ter- certain times of the year as well because our body is trying to adapt to the temperature change, the 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 where the sun is. Even if people live in a place where you don't really get distinct seasons, there's still a change for most people, um, except if you're right by the equator, with the distance of the sun. And so with that change and then the length of the day, how how much sunlight we have during the day impacts our our endocrine glands and and then and our brain and how it creates this feedback mechanism. A lot of this has to do with our circadian rhythm our sleep-wake cycle. And so these, this has an impact on our hormones, and which in turn has an impact on our mood, on our metabolism, on our skin, and our fertility, and so many things. And it's really fascinating to think about this. And what are we doing that could be throwing this off? Because our how we sleep, how how we manage our stress, how we eat, all impacts these these cycles and these rhythms, and so we we really want to shift our practices to help us support where we are in each season. Fascinating. I'm going to be thinking about that as as I start to get more sunlight and all those you know all those good things. I'm going to be thinking about all the ways that it's affecting my hormones. That's I, I've really never thought about it that way, but I mean it it makes sense almost like an instinctive level because you're just, of of course, I feel different. Of of course, this has an effect on the hormonal level. Yeah. And hormones are truly fascinating. I loved doing the research for my book to dive into this. And I also loved interviewing the over 50 different experts I I interviewed for the Hormones, Health, and Harmony docuseries. It was, I I mean, it took a very long time to interview. sure. That many people, again, especially since 50 of them were done in person. And so to do those interviews and to really dive in deep into all the ways that our hormones impact our health and what we can do about it is is so fascinating. I think that a lot of times we just, a lot of women just kind of glaze over because they're, they're so confused by their hormones. Or mm-hmm. and, and with going in to see a doctor, a lot of times doctors only have seven to 10 minutes to spend with their patients. Yeah. So they don't have time to explain what's happening with their hormones and the changes or what they can do to help help manage their hormonal balance. And so oftentimes women are just given birth control pills to manage their cycles instead of just for birth control. A lot of times women are given birth control pills 
for managing acne, even if they're not sexually active. And so this actually isn't balancing your hormones. It's just suppressing the issue. And it actually creates more hormonal imbalances. So it's really important for us to look at these and to understand. And it's, you know, you don't have to understand them in a huge in-depth way, but when you understand some really basic foundational things and how we move and how we eat and how we sleep and how we um, practice mindfulness practices, those sorts of things make a huge difference in creating a solid foundation, which our hormones can restore harmony within. I I'm right there with you. I'm going to be thinking about this so much more now. I've, I'll probably even start a journal. I'm so bad at journaling, but you know, I know it's, <laughs> it's a practice that almost every expert gives me. They're like, you should journal. I'm like, yeah, I've tried it, <laughs> but maybe this will be it that gets me to do it. Well, so and you I mentioned them. Yeah. I do think just having it by your bedside and doing yeah. it every night. When I was doing the University of Santa Monica spiritual psychology program, that was actually one of our homework assignments is we had to journal every single night and they would actually check the dates and you're, you know, just make, to make sure you're actually doing it. I don't think they do this at the school anymore, but, but they did <laughs> it then. And, and it, so it made me get in the habit of doing it. And I'm so glad that they did that because it really is one of those things you just, even if you just, it was a good day. <laughs> That's yeah. all you just write. Just a quick sentence. Yeah. I know. I know. Cause you know, it's, I mean, uh, this is just an aside, but when you look at the journals of like even the most famous authors and novelists and writers out there throughout history, it's like some of their journal entries are truly just a sentence. And you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I guess I can commit to at least that. But anyway, you mentioned the microbiome earlier. And I do want to make sure that we spend at least a little bit talking about it because it is one of my favorite subjects, you know, for everybody out there, the microbiome, I, we've talked about this before, but as a little refresher, what is the microbiome? So the microbiome are the microorganisms that live on and in the body. And we have different microbes that live in different areas of our body. So a lot of the focus these days is on the gut microbiome. And the gut microbiome is really important and it impacts the skin microbiome. But we have for, you know, women have a vaginal microbiome, we have gut microbiome, we have a skin microbiome, we have a lot of these collections of microorganisms that live in a particular area. So in the case of the skin, this is bacteria, fungi, even these little mites that live on our skin, there are all kinds of little critters that live on our skin. And this is actually a good thing. And I know for some people, this is hard to imagine. <laughs> you would just, they just want to clean their skin and get all these little bugs off. But they actually, help our skin in balance. They help our skin stay healthy, keep it from breaking out in things like acne and rosacea and eczema. And they also help us with aging gracefully. So it's really important to realize that what we put on our skin can impact that. And then also our gut microbiome, the microorganisms that live in the gut, can also, the health of that can impact the skin microbiome. So we always want to be looking at what we're doing both internally and externally to support the skin microbiome. So, you know, just on the subject of skin, that is the area that I most focus on. Our, our other editors dive deep into the gut microbiome and my specialty is the skin microbiome. So that's where I spend most of my time writing about, learning about, et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, I just want to ask, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make 
with their microbiome? You know, what are some of the biggest things in modern habits that you see that are disrupting this this delicate microbiome? There are definitely some big mistakes that people make when it comes to the skin microbiome. And I think a lot of times we just don't even really think about it because we're so used to our skincare habits of how we exfoliate and how we cleanse that we don't really think about what it's actually doing to the health of our skin. So those are two of the biggest mistakes that people make, exfoliation and cleansing when it comes to exterior, what we're doing topically on the skin. Of course, the other big one is having to do with the gut and what we're eating and how the gut is impacting the skin. But let's talk about skincare practices. So the biggest one is cleansing. We're oftentimes used to that bar of soap that lathers up. But with that bar of soap, it has a very high pH. Our skin actually has a lower pH. It is a mild, has mild acidity to it. And the research does show that mild acidity in the skin is what helps it keep from breaking out from aging prematurely. So maintaining that mild acidity of the skin is really important. So when we're using that bar of soap that lathers up or that foamy cleanser that we use to you know, we're really trying to cleanse sure. our skin and especially people with oily or acne prone skin, they're, they're trying to scrub off yeah. all the impurities and the excess oil. But what we're doing is we're stripping the skin. We're stripping the skin of the oils. We're stripping it of the right pH. And that in turn then impacts the skin microbiome. It throws off, it can damage the good bacteria and the good microorganisms that keep our skin in balance. And it can really, um, you know, throw this balance off to a point where then we have to use something like a toner to get our skin back to the right pH. Then we're trying to re and a moisturizer to bring back oils to the skin. So we, we want to start with a really great cleanser. And that's one of the reasons why I created the Spa Doctor Skincare line, because I wanted, I was looking for a cleanser that didn't strip the skin, that actually was more of an oil-based cleanser and that had, had the right pH that was supportive to the skin. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So that's why I created the Spa Doctor skincare um, line. And so the first step is cleansing. You want to have the right pH. You want to have natural products with actual natural oils in them. And then if you do that, you actually don't need a toner is what what I have found. Because toners typically do, they, they clear up whatever is that excess is left on the skin. And then they also add that mild acidity in. But then you can use things like a nice serum to help nourish the skin, a nice moisturizer that has plant-based oils instead of oils like mineral oil. Yeah. And those all will help with the building a really great foundation on your skin and supporting the skin microbiome. Yeah. You know, I think people underestimate the importance of a really good cleanser. It is the foundation of a good skincare routine. But, you know, so I, I often think about um, how we tell people to how much they should be washing their face and all this sort of stuff, because I think for so long we were inundated with this idea that like, you know, you had to cleanse and over exfoliate and all this sort of stuff. And we're definitely starting to reel that back in as, as we learn more about the microbiome. 
So the last thing I want to get into is your own habits and your own routines and what you do for yourself. Anyone who listens and anyone who knows me knows that I, I say everything is skincare. From how much you sleep to what you eat to what you actually put on your face, it's all skincare on some level, right? So when I ask this question, you know, how, how you care for your skin, I mean it not only in a topical sense, but I mean it in a lifestyle. So how do you care for your skin? What are the key elements of taking care of yourself? Yeah, I, I, I'm really glad that you come about it with this approach because most people don't, unfortunately, and it's constantly what I'm trying to help educate people about in my, in my book, Clean Skin from Within, and then my next book, Natural Beauty Reset, is how do we help our skin, not just what we're putting on it, but all the different aspects of our lifestyle and our habits, and how can we shift that? So I definitely do what I recommend, which is having to do with the the four different areas that I talked about, which is having to do with the skincare products. So what are, what, you know, I'm, I'm really careful about what I put on my skin and I use my four-step, the Spot Doctor four-step skincare system with a really clean pH balance cleanser. And then each of the different steps has that mild acidity, man, maintaining that healthy skin microbiome. So I do that twice a day, morning and night. Sometimes I'll do it an extra time during the day if I have a big workout or something and or had a lot of sunscreen or something on my face, makeup on my face and I'll I'll do it a third time. But I also, in addition to skincare, I also am really careful about what I eat as well and mindful about what I eat and eating whole foods and foods that I know are going to help nourish my gut microbiome, which will in turn help with my skin microbiome. I make sure that I set myself up for a good night's sleep. I also practice stress management techniques. I do mindfulness practices, usually do a morning meditation, and I do a little journaling at night. And then I also move my body. I get outside and I I I get out in nature and sunshine and and that really is an important part of it too. And I have a dog, so I walk my dog every day. <laughs> so that helps me get outside and move. And I live in a gorgeous little ski town, Park City. So lots of outdoor activities to do here. Skiing, mountain biking, wake surfing, trail running, all of that good stuff. So I, I really try to incorporate all the different areas that will help with my skin. Well, that sounds like a delightful skincare routine and, you know, well-being routine. This was so fascinating. I learned so much and I definitely walked away with a few things that I'm going to be thinking about, including hormones around the calendar year and, you know, how I should be addressing those. So that is something that I had not thought about before and I will be thinking about going forward. So thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for, and I hope, thanks for having me on. I hope you'll check out the Hormones Health and Harmony docuseries coming out May 10th. All right. Fabulous. We will make sure to link to that in the show notes so everyone can check it out there. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you liked it, don't forget to rate and review us. And before we sign up, I just want to introduce a new feature that we are introducing to the pod. You can now submit all of your lingering beauty questions. All you have to do is drop in a voicemail and I'll answer it here on the pod. 
Whether you have a follow-up question about a specific episode or are just curious about an ingredient, routine, or product, we want to hear from you. Head over to sayhi.chat slash cleanbeautyschool to submit your questions. I will put that link in the show notes so you can click on it there. Once we get a few of them, our team will select a few to answer during a special Q&A segment, and you just might be featured on this pod. Thanks again for tuning in, and see you next week.